This is Kramer Financial Talk with Jim Kramer of Kramer Investment Services. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Jim Kramer provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. So listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Kramer Financial Talk with Jim Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Kramer Financial Talk. My name is Jim Kramer with Kramer Investment Services. If you'd like more information about what you hear during our show today, feel free to give us a call for callers in Wisconsin. Our number is 262-729-4128. For callers in Illinois, our number is 815-331-8096. Feel free to visit us on our website at www.kramerinvestmentservices.com. All of our podcasts are available on our site. If you go to the Media Library tab, follow that up with our Radio tab. You can see all the previous and recent podcasts that are out there. Also, if you are subscribers to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you can also listen to our past and current podcasts that are out there. Please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or if you'd like to set up a face-to-face meeting after this. So after weeks of news stories, political back and forth, the American Rescue Plan has finally been signed into law by President Biden. The act has a broad reach in terms of who may benefit, and its ultimate objective is to increase economic growth and kind of getting us back into the swing of things compared to what happened over the past year due to COVID uh, restrictions as well as the pandemic. So this is a $1.9 trillion plan that earmarks. The biggest piece of this is a $1,400 per person uh, paycheck. And that has gotten the biggest share of the attention with this program. But there's so much more to this than what's been discussed in the media. And so we're going to talk about this today. This is called the American Rescue Plan. And with that said, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Tony Shore. Tony, how are you doing today? Oh, Jim, I've I've had a great week, and I'm excited about this topic because wow, uh, I, you know this is in the news. It's very timely. Uh, it's hard to wrap your head around 1.9 trillion with a T. I mean, that's real money uh, to you and I, even. So that's uh... <laughs> yeah. There's been a there's been a lot of talk money. about this program. You know what's good about it and what could be yeah. bad about it. Let's hopefully we can get into this and have yeah. a have a good discussion back and forth yeah. with you and me today. Well, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of our listeners out there too, Jim, have been following this uh, plan, uh, but truth be told, it's long. It's detailed, like you said. So uh, let's dig into it. How do you want to get us started? Well, this is the third stimulus act within the past year to make its way through Congress. The first stimulus bill was a $2 trillion package. The second one that came out last year was 900 billion and this one alone is 1.9 trillion so doing the math that's 4.8 trillion dollars of spending money over and above the government's normal budget 
within a one-year period of time, that's an awful lot of money that's been spent by the federal government to help offset the decline in the economic performance due to COVID-19. Now, everybody has been hearing about this $400 per month payment, but there's other things involved with this, including unemployment benefits, uh, the continuation of eviction and foreclosure moratoriums, and the increase to the child tax credit that we're going to talk about. And then there's some plenty of money actually going to state and local governments, which we're going to talk about, as well as money to schools and increases to COVID-19 testing and vaccination delivery. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot in there. I mean, uh, a lot of great information and I'm guessing a fair number of people out there, um, you know, might be parents or grandparents. So the news of money helping uh, schools reopen uh, and going toward things like that is probably more than welcome. I'm also struck by the fact that there's aid in there for state and local governments because without it, a lot of people might have been looking at bigger local tax heights or cuts to government services. So, but everybody wants to know about the direct payments. Tell us a little bit more about those. All right. So this program is going to provide $1,400 per person for individuals making $75,000 or less annually. In addition, for couples, uh, you're going to also be receiving that so long as your income is $150,000 or less. That helps you to qualify for the full payment. Uh, there is a phase out for those that make over $75,000, but no more than $80,000 a year. If you're a single filer, you would receive a reduced payment. And for households with families, husband or wife, uh, anybody making over $150,000, but no more than $160,000, per year will qualify as well. And then their dependents will also qualify, which can make this a pretty large stimulus package for individuals and families. Wow. Well, I think it's a safe bet that a lot of people already understand some about those direct payments you're talking about just because of the media attention they're getting. But it's great to know the specifics. But what about unemployment benefits? I mean, that's a big part of this. And I think that's something else people are really concerned about. All right. So normally the state has their own unemployment insurance program, and that's going to continue to individuals. But this is over and above what the state plans also provide. So this is going to provide $300 per week from what a person normally receives through the state program. And it the first $10,200 of unemployment benefits in 2020 will be tax-free to those individuals based on as long as they are for a single filer on $75,000 or less in annual income, you will qualify. And for uh, for a husband and wife, that'll be uh, up to $150,000 a year or less will get you qualified for that program. If you've already filed for your 2020 tax return, you can do an amendment in order to get Uh, some of that money back since the benefits or for the first $10,200 was considered tax-free for that year. Right. Well, there you go. And and taxes do come into play here with a lot of the changes, so people need to be aware. But unemployment benefits uh, are something that are so important to so many people. Um, And it's a safe bet a lot of people uh, out there uh, have been unemployed due to COVID. And another part of unemployment is COBRA with the health benefits. 
that's an area of concern for a lot of people. Is Has this affected COBRA? Yes, it has. So the act includes a 100% subsidy for COBRA health insurance premiums. So the unemployed can stay on their employer health care through the end of September of this year. Another critical element of the Stimulus Act is the extension of eviction and foreclosure moratoriums. The stimulus provides $30 billion in emergency rental assistance and another $10 billion in a mortgage assistance program. So there's a lot of money that's uh, going towards this. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's that's important. That's huge. And obviously, it's a good thing that they're extending the, the COBRA benefits. And what about uh, what about food assistance, though? What details can you give us on that? Okay, so there's a lot of different programs. So I'm just going to try to cover as much as I can, but uh, keep it to su- keep it somewhat limited here. So the act provides 12 billion to aid food assistance programs throughout the United States. It includes an additional 21.6 billion dollars in emergency aid for low-income renters who have lost income or are at risk of losing their homes. Another $5 billion is going to be available in a voucher program for uh, homeless people or people that are at high risk of becoming homeless. Another $5 billion available through a homelessness, if I can say that right, assistance program called the Home Investment Partnership Program. And there's plenty of other housing programs that are going to be funded through this, including the FEMA Emergency Food and Shelter Program, which is going to get a little under a, a little over a half a billion dollars for overnight shelter meals rent and mortgage assistance and there's more programs in addition to that so lots of lots of different programs that are going to be funded through the stimulus plan yeah exactly and i think that's uh, the the importance there knowing okay that's going to help me or that's going to help someone i know uh, that's the positive aspect uh, of this plan, and it's good to know that there is food assistance out there. Uh, but it's a lot of numbers uh, that we're throwing around today, and, and I'm sure that represents a, a grateful segment of people. Uh, this has been a, a good show so far, so uh, let's keep it going. Uh, yeah. I want to make sure that our listeners uh, get as much out of this as they can, and we talk about uh, what's involved here. It's such a thick, I mean, these bills are so many pages long. It's like stacking four Stephen King books on top of uh, five Bibles. It's like, it's a lot. That's really well said, yes. Yeah, it, yeah. This was a lot to go into here. So the next thing I want to talk about is, and this is very important, the child tax credit. Now, normally, the child tax credit gives $2,000 per child under the age of 17. So if you have three children, for example, under the age of 17, and if your tax income, if you're a single filer, is under $200,000 or $400,000 for a husband and wife, uh, they would be given, in this situation, $6,000 worth of a tax credit. Uh, This is going to be over and above that. So if under the under the American stimulus American rescue plan if you have a uh, child that's under the age of six the couple or individual will receive thirty six hundred dollars per child and then for children between the ages of six and seventeen they're going to be given three thousand dollars per child so that's an increase from the two thousand per child that they would have received otherwise 
Now the payment will be in the form of monthly payments that are going to begin. Although we're not sure if this is exactly when it's going to start, but ideally they said it would begin in July, but the IRS might not be up to the challenge and they're going to pay monthly on this amount through the end of the year. And then when that individual or a couple files their 2021 tax return, they'll get the other half of the stimulus money. It's the same rules that apply for the most part in order to qualify as it would be for the regular $1,400 stimulus check. This is going to be for couples uh, that make $150,000 or less. Or if you're a single filer making $75,000 or less, you would qualify for that additional uh, child care tax credit. But if you make anything over that amount, you do not get that extra payment. So wow. Let me, so let me give you this example here. So let's say you've got a couple that makes $100,000 per year and they have two children. Uh, let's say one is child is 15 years old. The other one is 10 years old. Well, as far as those direct stimulus payments, they're going to get four sets of stimulus payments. So that's going to be $5,600 right there. And then with the two children qualifying, they will get $6,000 in tax credits for a combined $11,600. Wow. Now, normally they would have gotten just $4,000. So this is really an increase to this couple of about $7,600 over the year. Well, that's huge. I mean, uh, that can make a big difference for a lot of families that qualify. That extra bit of money each month is going to really help buy things like groceries, sneakers, jeans, all the other things kids need. Now, what about college students? Does the legislation say anything about that? So the, if it's pertaining to student loans, Tony, the answer is no. The program does not address at all student loan forgiveness. But a college student could still qualify for the $1,400 stimulus. Now, if they're no longer a dependent, they would get that money directly to them. And if they are a dependent, then the parents are going to be receiving the $1,400 stimulus. And staying on the topic of education, K through 12 schools are going to be receiving $130 billion worth of money earmarked to reduce class sizes, improve ventilation in the schools, and to purchase PPE equipment uh, in order to help get the schools open quicker. Yeah, that's huge. And and with that news, I think we just heard an audible sigh of relief from some of the parents out there. Yeah, I think you're right, Tony. That's been an issue of concern for many parents, uh, including me. I should also mention, though, that colleges and universities are going to be receiving additional money, uh, $40 billion for financial aid, uh, an additional $40 billion will be going to child care providers uh, via the Child Care and Developmental a block grant program, and another $1 million is going to be going to the Head Start program. Well, and that's that's good, too. That's also good news and a lot of great information here. I think we're all hoping this money will help get students back into schools for in-person learning and help improve that situation. But I know, Jim, that you work with a lot of business owners. You work with a lot of people who own their own businesses. What does this legislation do for businesses out there? Okay, well, first off, pertaining to restaurants and bars. Now, we all know that that's one of the hardest hit areas is the service industry. And restaurants and bars were hit harder than just about any of them out there. Now, this program is going to provide up to $25 billion in assistance grants for restaurants and bars. 
These grants can provide as much as $10 million per company with a cap of $5 million per physical location. The money can be used for rent, payroll, utilities, other expenses. And plus, there was another $7.25 billion that were put into the program towards the Paycheck Protection Program uh, for giving loans for small businesses and non-for-profits. Uh, we already have a plan that was funded last year worth about $284 billion uh, towards the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, but it's only half of it has been used so far. So this is increasing the amount of money available. And at the same time, they did not increase the length of time a business can file for this benefit. The deadline is March 31st, and today is March 18th. So a business is only 13 days under this program to file to get this additional benefit. And already, uh, we've only had half of this money used to date. So some of this money might not ever be used here based on the current legislation. Wow. Okay. Well, and that's good to know. I mean, it's. I think it's great because small businesses out there have been hurt so bad. So many of them anyway have. And so it's good to know that at least some of this is going to help them. And I hope uh, enough of them that need it to, uh, can get the help from that. So uh, how will this uh, money, one thing we haven't talked about and that I'm really curious about because I haven't heard anything about this, and that's how will some of the stimulus money be used to address the pandemic itself? I mean, is there anything right. in this bill? Yeah. Is yeah. there anything in this bill to help cover vaccinations or testing or anything like that? Yeah, some of this has already been done through the school programs I was mentioning, but roughly $50 sure. billion from this act will be used to cover additional COVID-19 testing and contact tracing. $19 billion will be dedicated to increasing the size of the public health workforce, and another $16 billion will help cover distribution and supply chains. Wow. Okay. Well, this is good news. I mean, this is a lot to take in, and I know that you know, you hear from local governments as well and school districts out there uh, complaining about meeting their obligations in a time of smaller revenue over the last year due to COVID. It, does the legislation do anything to address those concerns? Yes, a lot. Um, you know, I just saw an article from the Wall Street Journal, Tony, that showed that 26 of the 50 states saw declining revenues. And honestly, I was expecting 50 states out of 50 to have lost revenues. So there's a number yeah. of states that had positive revenues in 2019. I think that was surprising to a lot of people. Now this, this plan uh, is gonna provide $350 billion to aid states, cities, tribal governments, and US territories. Now of that amount, 195 billion is gonna go directly to the states. And of that 195 billion, 169 billion of that money is going to be determined as to how much these states are going to get based on the unemployment rate of the fourth quarter of 2020. So the states that had a higher unemployment rate towards the end of last year are going to get the lion's share of the money compared to those states that were doing better with a lower unemployment rate. So I can give you an example of we got four of the biggest states out there, California, New York, Texas, and Florida. Now, based on how this went, California and New York had the higher unemployment rate. They got a higher proportionate per person uh, 
uh, amount of money given to those states as opposed to Texas and Florida. So California and New York alone got $70 billion worth. Now that includes local governments and Florida and Texas got $45 billion. Now, granted, California and New York combined have higher populations, but when you do this, when you do the per person distribution of this money, those states with the higher unemployment, including California and New York, uh, made out with more money under this arrangement. And one other thing I want to mention to you is that the tribal governments got plenty of money under this program. They ended up receiving $20 billion out of this program, which is more than 46 other states which means that Native Americans on a per capita basis got the lion's share of this money compared to any other uh, group throughout the entire country. Now, whether that's right or wrong, this is how this program was was played out. And local governments, the same rules apply. So certain local governments that had higher unemployment rates got higher amounts of money as opposed to state to uh, local governments that were doing better. Right. Yeah, and that's that's huge, and, and that's interesting. I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, you know, I, I've been following you know the news coverage about the stimulus, and the a lot of a lot of argument was going back and forth about the raising the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour, and that was a really heated debate topic on on whether to include that or not. Did anything come from that? No, there was no discussion at the end with regard to the minimum wage. I know that was brought up at the end that was taken off the plate. Oh, okay. Yep. Just curious about that. Uh, I'm sure that'll, I'm sure that topic will come up again. Uh, I agree in, with you. In, in future legislation. Um, and now, you know, we've got the arrival of vaccines. We've had the passage of the stimulus bill. Uh, hopefully, I think people are feeling more optimistic about a return to quote unquote normal life. Hopefully that isn't too far off, especially with the vaccination vaccination getting out there and uh, some of these programs in place. Uh, where do you want to go from here? Is there anything else you want to talk about today? Well, we've just covered the main parts of the American Rescue Act, and I tried to do this as you know as generally as possible because there's so much uh, to yeah. this program. But the question is, I think for investors out there, is how do we see the stock market to react to this news? How do we see the economy? And I can see that um, we're probably going to have higher economic growth this year as a result of the stimulus. Goldman Sachs uh, just came out with an unbelievable forecast. Uh, They did this just prior to the stimulus um, passing, and they expected at that time that the stimulus was only going to be $1.5 trillion. And they expected GDP growth to be at almost 7% this year which is higher than what we've had in decades. Now, if that comes to pass, that would be very, very welcome news. Um, But in order for that to happen, not only do we expect people to take these stimulus checks and spend them, but we're also gonna need employers to hire more people. We're gonna need a higher production of goods and services uh, in order to counteract what could mean a rise of inflation. So if we have this this uh, stimulus plan, which is really what we call demand side economics. We're going to have people take this money and if they go out and spend this, at the same time, employers are not increasing their production levels to meet the demands of people. Well, then we're going to have a, a very high inflationary period of time. And that could also curtail the expected GDP growth that Goldman Sachs 
predicts. But at the same time, if we do have continual increase in production, a lowering of the unemployment rate, which right now is at 6%, if we get that cut down to, you know, 3 and 4%, uh, by the end of this year, if that goes to pass, then I think it could be a very rosy year. Yeah. However, on the other hand, if at the same time, because I know that they're also now discussing tax increases, and many of this would go on to uh, businesses and as well as investors through a financial transaction tax, which is being discussed, is that could have a very detrimental effect to the stock market this year. And also employers may pause their hiring. And if that's the case, because they're fearful of higher taxes coming down the road, we could definitely go through a high inflationary period of time. And our U.S. GDP might disappoint a lot of investors, including what Goldman Sachs is predicting here. So there's a lot of things that could go wrong here, but there's also a lot that could go right. It's one where we don't know exactly where this is going to go. I could say, you know, if if you hand somebody a check out of the blue, and if they go and they spend that money, if everybody did the same thing, we're going to see higher inflation. But if employers at the same time are meeting the needs of these of this higher spending by increasing production levels, then we're going to curtail inflation. And that's going to be important because if inflation starts to get higher, it's going to put a lot of pressure on stocks uh, to get higher returns in order to make sure that the investor is getting a higher return than what inflation really is. Um, we don't really know for sure what's going to go on, but for the investor, let's not get panicky. It's really to, to make sure you focus on your long-term goals. Don't focus on short-term goals. So you know, based on Warren Buffett's advice, it's time in the market, not trying to time the market itself. Uh, it's very important to do that and make sure what, right now we have a, the stock market that is doing quite well right now is to do a reassessment of your investment plan. If your risk tolerance says you shouldn't be so heavy into stocks, then now might be a good time to reallocate. Make sure you're looking for the long run. So as we go through potential ups and downs of the market, which this legislation could do, um, make sure that you have a plan in place today and not get panicky and make reactive decisions down the road. Well, Jim, great stuff today, but we're out of time. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? Uh, no, we did cover a lot in this episode. So if you like more information uh, from what we've discussed today, I'd like to encourage you to visit my website at www.kramerinvestmentservices.com. In the media library tab, you can view all of our past podcasts. If you'd like to call our office, uh, our number in Wisconsin, our Lake Geneva number is 262-729-4128. Or in Illinois, our McHenry office number is 815 331 8096. If you'd like to schedule a meeting with us, whether it be by Zoom or in person, feel free to do that. Or if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to us. All right. Thanks, Jim. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Kramer Financial Talk with our host, Jim Kramer. Thank you for listening to Kramer Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Jim Kramer at Kramer Investment Services. Call 262-729-4128 or visit them online at KramerFinancialTalk.com.
Fee-based planning and investment advisory services are offered by Craman Investment Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Wisconsin and Illinois. Insurance products and services are offered through Kramer Investment and Insurance Services, Inc. Kramer Investment Services, LLC, and Kramer Investment and Insurance Services, Inc. are affiliated companies. Jim Kramer and Kramer Investment Services are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.